0: This is the Falcon Twin podcast from falcontwin.com. I'm Brendan, and this is commentary for pages 152 to 165. Page 152, the opening page of Chapter 4, titled Nemesis. This is a popular page with the readers, and I've actually seen people who don't link to Falcon Twin, just falcontwin.com. They actually link to this page specifically, which I find very interesting because it certainly tells you what those readers are here for. This was a page that was one of the first chapter opening pages that I didn't do. Actually, it's not true. I did it in the prologue, but that was just kind of whipped up on the spot. This was one of the first real ones that I did that wasn't an establishing shot of some kind, which I also did in Chapter 6 and intend to do at the beginning of Chapter 7 as well. And this was a page that I did not do in Photoshop, really. I, I scanned it in Photoshop and did some selection stuff because painter selection tools are so awful. But I did actually the coloring and the painting of the characters in Painter using, I think, the digital watercolor tools. The same tools that I tried to use on page 201 and 202, I think, which didn't work out so well in those particular circumstances. For those who want to know, yes, I do have a version without the haze at the bottom, and no, you're never going to see it. Page 153, what I want to hear you say. Now, this is an insight into Mika's mind and how she feels about her relationships with other people, particularly intimate relationships, which she hasn't really had except for her relationship with Yumiko, which was a lot closer than she realized. But otherwise, she hasn't really been close to very many people at all and the title of this page specifically refers to Tresca's dialogue in the last panel, I'll always like you, I'll always protect you, I'll never hurt you, which is really what Mika wants in an intimate relationship. She wants someone that she can trust not to hurt her, because that's one of her fundamental problems dealing with other people, is that she can't trust them not to hurt her emotionally, not just physically, which happens, but but, uh, emotionally is what she's really most concerned about. And there's also discussion of this in the monologue that goes on in the first couple of panels where Mika talks about someone touching her and being uncomfortable with that. And this is a literal thing where she doesn't have any people who are close to her. And so she doesn't experience a lot of physical contact. Hence, when she does have physical contact, it's alien to her and it makes her tense and and uncomfortable. Then in panel four, she transitions from a literal interpretation of what she's saying about physical contact to more of a metaphorical interpretation where she says a touch is just a prelude to a strike, which is a line I was never so happy with, but I think it gets the point across, which is when someone punches you, (laughs) there's a split second where they're just touching you, but then they go on to, you know, break your nose. And Mika is concerned that that's what will happen if she ever becomes somewhat close to a person, which could be a good thing, that it'll only lead to something very bad, which is her getting hurt. This is kind of the fears that she expresses explicitly in this fourth panel where she says, what if you stop liking me? What if you don't want to protect me anymore? What if you want to hurt me? Which are things that she's afraid of. Obviously, the scene was intended to establish that Mika at a subconscious level is already feeling very close to Tresca, and it won't be, of course, for a while that she consciously realizes her her true feelings for her page 154 what I wish I never had to hear this is again at the end of the page is when she really hears the things that she doesn't want to hear which is that no one will ever like you no one will ever protect you and that you don't deserve it and this is how Mika fears that she actually is that she's never actually going to be intimate with anyone not just physically intimate but also emotionally intimate with anyone because she's somehow defective and, and doesn't deserve that and there's also A sense of guilt that's expressed, it's verbalized by Yumiko, where Mika feels bad because her relationship with Yumiko was a fairly one-way thing. Yumiko was doing most of the work, and, and all of the times she was the one supporting Mika, and Mika never really did anything in return, and feels guilty about that. And the one time that she had an opportunity that she could have helped Yumiko, she didn't. Although, as I've discussed, I don't really think she could have done anything in those circumstances, but it's still something that haunts her. There's a nice background thing on this page where, if you look in panel 3, you can start to see these little flame-like things at the bottom of the panel, and then they get bigger in panel 4, and then in panel 5 they also start to come in from the top, and by the sixth and final panel there are like teeth in a giant set of jaws that are closing in on the characters. There also is a color shift across these panels where it gets more and more red from panel 3 to 4 to 5 to 6. The way that Tresca changes into Yumiko is sort of reflective of the fact that they have similar positions in their relationship with Mika, being the stronger, supportive person, while Mika is the weaker person who's kind of dependent on them. There is a nice visual thing in panel 3 with the giant bullet wound in Yumiko's chest, which is, of course, much bigger than it actually was when she got shot. But, you know, it's it's a dream and it's a nightmare, so it's gruesome. Page 155. So there's a nice little off-screen thing that's going on where it isn't until the final panel on this page that you see what has to happen. This is, oh, yeah, this is where also the boobies are finally revealed all the way, and I had already done little nipple slips, and you see them from the side, you see the corners of the nipple and stuff, so this time I just decided to go all the way with it, which in retrospect, if I were to do this again, I wouldn't do, because it's more tantalizing to people if you don't actually see everything. There's a nice background thing in panel five of this page, where you can see behind Yumiko, there's blood dripping down from the roof, and it kind of looks like a cave, and if you look, there are vague figures behind her, like this is hell that Mika's now in. The final panel, she reaches for this dagger. On the left-hand side, you can see the blood dripping out of Yumiko's bullet wound in her chest onto her hand. That's where that blood is coming from. So Mika's come to a conclusion as a result of all this that really the only way that she can atone for What she's done to Yumiko and also the only way that she can deal with her own personal problems is probably by killing herself And this is another subconscious thing that she doesn't really deal with until much much later on but sooner than you may think Page 156. Oh my god boobies. No, not boobies intestines I don't think I had the forums matter of fact I know I didn't have the forums up on the site at this time But I did have a little shout box on the front page and sure enough, you know you put boobies on Uh, on a comic and everyone just has to talk about boobies 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 nothing but boobies all the time and I was really kind of losing patience with it which is where this particular title came from and it was always the plan that Mika was going to kill herself but I decided to sort of mock all the losers who were talking about it I shouldn't call them losers they're probably listening at any rate her breasts are a little bit better in the first panel on this one I know that in a couple of the previous pages they were a little bit big for her character but now they look better. I also got rid of the dark lines underneath the breasts which were just drawn in there when I drew it on paper and it looks a lot better when I took them off. The second panel on this page is is still one of my favorites because it's one of the few ones that I think looks kind of arty without actually being pretentious which is a very fine line to walk and I think I actually did it here with Mika in silhouette. It looks fairly good as far as her body goes and uh, a nice thing you can see her screaming as she plunges this knife into her very nice effect and also the background too if you look kind of points in that direction too in order to accentuate the movement of the knife into her now the knife going actually out her back in the third panel I think may have been a little bit much because you know if she's got to pull that knife across her belly she's probably gonna have to drag it across her spinal column which is probably not gonna feel all that good but then again I don't think any of it will And another thing that's kind of odd about the placement, although I just did it because it looked good, is that the knife, if you notice, is oriented vertically when she stabs herself, but then to cut from left to right, she actually has to turn it 90 degrees, which I'm sure just makes the whole thing a lot worse. And so the intestines come out, and this is a great transition that I really like of this scene into the next scene. And a couple people weren't entirely sure whether or not Mika was actually dreaming or unconscious or whatever. This was. Her remembering the dream that she had the night before while she's in the middle of this training scene with Tresca and Evan. She's kind of spaced out a little bit and in, in thinking about this, and it isn't until Tresca actually calls in to Mika that the real world intrudes, and we go to page 157, cut two. We do indeed have it all on UHF. So there's Tresca looking exasperated as Evan pounds Mika by accident. You can see on his face that he didn't really expect to to smack her, but she was just not paying attention and didn't block when he anticipated that she would. So down she goes, and Tresca says that Mika's been spaced out all morning, which was kind of supposed to establish that that's what happened, is that Mika was fixating on this really awful dream that she had that really cut to some of her most sensitive personal issues. Page 158, we try harder, baby. I think that's a reference to Starship Troopers, if I'm not mistaken. And in this page, Mika talks about what happened last night, and Tresca is thinking that Mika is talking about getting the crap kicked out of her, and she really wasn't at all. Mika was talking about this dream that she had and was almost about to broach the subject with her, but Tresca cuts her off and and talks about this incident with the guy, and so Mika vows that she's going to try harder. Now, the backgrounds on the final panel on this page, the mountains in particular, are, I have to say, some of my favorite mountains that I've done in the entire strip, because the way that the light and shadow worked and the way that they're sort of faded off into the distance in the haze is, I think, as good as it's ever been in the strip, and I really like that. The rest of the background, not so much, but you can see that over the next couple of pages, I really try to emulate these mountains and never actually pull it off, unfortunately, but they're the really nice ones, so if you want to see them, it's page 158. Page 159, you don't have to answer that if you don't want to. Evan may not be the brightest bulb in the box but he does have a capacity for asking pointed questions which he does to Mika another situation where they basically tell Mika not to go up to people and order them around but don't tell her what to do maybe they were going to but she argues about it and Mika gets really pissed off in this particular conversation partly because she has to sort of grudgingly admit that she didn't get the guy in the bar last night to change his mind I should say restaurant. I keep saying bar. It's a restaurant. She didn't get the guy in the restaurant to change his mind. But she's also angry because she feels that if she had been able to use her sword and just walk up and stab the guy in the face, that the desired result of him not being a problem anymore would have been achieved. And so that's why she's kind of angry as they put these restrictions on her. You can't use your sword. You're not supposed to go over and just, you know, beat him up or something right away. And it didn't work out for her. And that's why she's mad about it page 160. What is so dangerous about a character like Tresca Nere is she gives good kids bad ideas. And you'd better recognize what that's from. So a little bit more exposition on Evan's church and their position on things. It isn't a completely pacifist church, as I, I think I've mentioned. They do accept that sometimes that fighting is the way to achieve greater social good, but it's a, a tool of last resort. And this is what Evan is trying to communicate to Mika. Tresca, on the other hand, you know, doesn't belong to his church and has her own ideas of, of how to deal with other people and is telling Mika kind of what she wants to hear, uh, even though I don't think that she was wanting Mika to just walk right up and beat the crap out of the guy. Maybe she was, I don't know. This is what Mika wanted to hear, that it was okay to just go up and beat the stuffing out of him, which would have worked. At least Mika thinks it would have worked. She would have probably gotten in trouble if she had, but... It would have, like I said, achieved the desired result of getting the guy to stop yelling at the waitress and beating his wife and all the trouble that he was causing. Another thing about having this little training scene that they're doing is, of course, to establish that Mika's practicing and getting better, but also it, it happens to be a nice lead in to the scene that the fight that Mika's gonna have with the bandits coming up in a moment, where they've just been walking all day long, but Mika's been training, so she's already kind of in this mode for, for being in a fight. And is, you know, dealing with two people at once, which also is going to be helpful. And, of course, this fight, which maybe I should talk about in the next podcast, is an intermediate fight and also is going to be exposing some important character things about Mika. But it's also an intermediate fight between the fight in the restaurant and the fight with Sydney, which is going to come later. Because, you know, you can't just go from getting your ass kicked to fighting the biggest monster on Earth without having something in between page 161 so in this case Tresca is ahead of Evan and spots these bandit guys before anyone else does it seems that sometimes and i don't really know off the top of my head but i get the sense that they kind of play off one another and that sometimes one is ahead of the other and makes the other one you know look a little bit slow and then and then it switches where Evan is on on top of things like in the scene in chapter 5 where Evan smacks the door with the hammer and and Tresca's on the other side cuz he knows what she's up to So that's a nice little interplay between the two of them, that Evan isn't as dumb as some people might think he is. So off they go, crashing into the bushes, which is kind of a nice little scene of them all falling down there. And there are the bandits again. I really like the panel, the second-to-last panel, where they're all looking up over the bushes. And you can see the expressions on their faces. Evan's kind of indifferent because he doesn't know who they are. Tresca's probably smiling with anticipation, and Mika's all concerned, which is nice. Even if you took out the dialogue bubbles, you could probably tell their emotions, which is cool. Page 162, a little more comedy at Evan's expense, which is kind of unfortunate, but, you know, he's not a total idiot, so sometimes it's okay to, to have fun with him. Tresca and Mika are having their own little conversation, and Evan's really not a part of it, and he keeps trying to get involved and continue to impress upon Mika his ideas of how it's appropriate to deal with people, and Evan is just being completely ignored by them. This time, Tresca does say that it's okay for Mika to use her sword, but probably doesn't really expect that Mika will... Or that you know, or that she'll go as far as she does, you know you can see that Mika's really anticipating it too. Can I use my sword this time? This is one of the few pages that actually I think is actually kind of funny, as you know in the, in the context of a strip that's mostly serious with Evan pleading that there was no one listening to him. page one sixty three now a lot of people interpreted this little bit of dialogue between the two bandits as being that they had killed some guy, which wasn't the intention. I just thought that they had found some charitable person and probably beaten the tar out of him and taken his money. But a lot of people interpreted that, what they say, because it's kind of vague, as them having killed someone, which, like I said, wasn't the intent, mainly because it would have made it a little bit more acceptable what Mika's going to do to these guys in the fight scene, which is coming up. But at any rate, here is Mika, now pissed off and ready to fight, and I'm going to talk in a moment about her attitude here. But a nice little expression on her face in the second to last panel. And in the very final panel on this page, 163, there's a shot of her drawing her sword, which is interesting because I think that almost all of the times, I'm not 100% sure, but I think that almost all the times that she gets into a fight with someone, there's a cutaway to her drawing her sword, which is an interesting trend. And if I haven't done it 100%, I definitely should uh, keep trying to do it because it's a weird little theme. Page 164. Now, this is the page that was up when the Mega Tokyo ad ran in the middle of 2004, which is why I put a little bit extra juice into this page. And panel 3 on this page is a really good example of how Mika's sword is intended to look and be used. You can see a very nice thing with her posture. She leans back a little bit to balance the weight of the sword and is also holding it in this interesting kind of grip, which is why the grip is designed the way that it is, so that you could hold it with kind of an ergonomic grip. It's like she's holding a rifle or something, which kind of goes back to the inspiration for the sword, which I may or may not have mentioned, which was somewhat inspired by the gunblade in Final Fantasy VIII which, of course, would have just been way too big for a girl like her to use. And also, I didn't want to be ripping it off wholesale, and also I didn't want a gun. But I did sort of like the way that, especially in the opening cinematic for that thing, the way that they're holding the swords in that rifle grip leveled at one another. So that was something that I incorporated into the design of the sword. And like I said, in the third panel on this page, it really works about as well as I think it ever has. And you also get a nice sort of side view of the sword, so you can see the design of the whole thing. Another thing about the sword, which I'm not sure I've mentioned, is the way that the blade at the bottom curves inward, which was partly just because I wanted to curve inward, but I didn't really know where to put it. I could put it on the back, but I decided I'd rather put it on the front just because it looks better, even though, practically speaking, it wouldn't make much sense. But another nice effect of that was that it tends to look like a claw, like some giant talon that's poking out at whatever she's holding her sword pointed at which is a very nice effect, and especially later on when she stabs the guy, and you can see blood dripping off of this metal talon that Mika uses. So Mika gives her little speech. The guys look kind of perplexed and then proceed to laugh. It is unfortunate because, you know, like she says, she really did sound pretty good, and that's probably as good as Mika sounded in the entire strip so far when it comes to being threatening. They just don't take it seriously at all. But if you read the internal monologue in the last two panels, you can start to see this other aspect of Mika's personality, which is really important and is shown up in several. It shows up also during the fight. It shows up in Chapter 5 when she's fighting. It shows up in Chapter 6. There's this aspect of Mika's personality that really is sort of becoming visible. She's really not a very nice person, and there's this part of her that's really a, a very awful person that's reflected in this dialogue. Even in the second to last panel she sort of implies that she doesn't really intend to just take their money or just beat them up that she probably will carry it farther than evan or tresca really intended well evan didn't intend her to, to do this at all but he's kind of letting her go along with it so last but not least page 165 where mika whips the sword up into the guy's face and there's that whole talon effect happening again in the second panel and i think i was trying to make a reference to the mummy In the first panel, where the guy says there's two of us and only one of you. In in The Mummy, there's a scene where the main characters run into this other group of archaeologists exploring the ruins of Hamanaptra, and their guide goes, Well, there is only four of you and 15 of me. The odds are not in your favor, my friend. So I think I was trying to reference that line, but I just didn't do it at all. It might have sounded strange. Let's see, there's one of you and two of me. Yeah, that wouldn't make much sense. It's a great movie too, The Mummy. I've made several references to that film throughout Falcon Twin. So there's a hint. Go look for it. And in panel three, you can again start to see this darker side of Mika where she's really not a nice person. And her judgment is poor at best. This is the whole good cop gone bad syndrome where she's, you know, the cop is supposed to arrest the suspect but just shoots him instead. And this is kind of what Mika is declaring that she's going to do when she fights these guys is that you know she's not going to incapacitate them. She's not going to just take their money or anything like that. She intends to severely hurt them. Whether or not she intended to actually kill them, I don't think she did. She's probably just kind of telling herself that. But she certainly intends to go a little bit farther. And this is a lot of pent-up rage in Mika that's boiling over now. And now that she has an opportunity to actually let it come out, she's going to. It's a more prominent feature of her personality than people seem to understand, and I think that they should pay a little more attention to that because it's significant. Damn it. So all the pieces are in place. Mika's ready to fight. Bandits are ready to fight. And they're about to have a fight. So tune in next time for the next exciting episode of the Falcon Twin podcast. If you have questions or comments, you can email me at bman at com or leave a message in the forums. So there.